Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.hsiweb.org or www.anilarana.com. Hi. The year is still new, so I can wish you all a happy new year. All right, yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of people missing, but that's all right. We've missed so many meetings lately, I think they didn't think we're going to have a meeting tonight. Uh, but tonight is going to be blessed. Just say amen. In fact, this entire year is going to be blessed. And the reason I say that is because me personally, I've had the most awesome start to a year I've ever had in my entire life. And I would like every one of you to have the same kind of, yeah, awesome, yeah. Okay, do you want it? How do you do it? How'd you get it? Um, I first want to begin by asking a question. I want you to be honest, okay? How many of you made resolutions for this year? Raise your hands. You know, to walk more, to diet, to exercise, to study harder, to be more loving. Just a few? Oh, okay. How many of you have broken your resolutions? <laughs> Presumably, almost everyone who made resolutions has broken them. But what I would like to do is to suggest to you here this evening is that you make one more resolution. Only one. Okay, And that resolution is to be the person that God created you to be. Okay, Now, humor me on this. I'm going to ask you to do this again later, but just repeat after me. I resolve this year to be the person that God created me to be. I believe that this is the way to happiness. I believe that this is the way to great joy. I believe that this is the way to peace. I believe that this is the way to blessings. And I believe that this is the way to spiritual life, to be the people that God created us to be. Now, why am I saying this? For the benefit of all of you, those who listened to my last talk, and for those of you who are here for the first time, I said that most of us aren't the person that God created us to be. One, we try to pretend to be somebody else. Yes, don't we? Yes. Two, we try to be people we think we should be. True. Three, we try to be people other people think we should be. And four, we sometimes try to be the people that we imagine God wants us to be. And what happens when we do all these four things is we just end up stressed and tired and life becomes a miserable experience that, honestly, sometimes most of us don't want to lead, don't want to live. And we wake up in the morning and most of us go, my God, not another day. And we go to sleep saying, thank God that day is over. Not me, not me, look at me. I wake up every morning with a sense of anticipation, a sense of excitement, a sense of eagerness to know what great things God has in store for me during the day. And at the end of it, I am so grateful 
to God for giving me another wonderful day in my life. And this is the way that I want you to be. A baby said amen to me just now. <laughs> so how do we do this? I want to talk about a few things again and put them into perspective. Now, it has to do with desires. Do you have desires? Material desires? Do you want money? Good, I'm glad some of you said yes. Do you want to achieve things in life? Good, more honesty now. Do you have relationship desires? Do you want friends? Do you want families? Do you have physical desires? Do you want sex? What happened? All the yeses suddenly stopped. I mean, don't tell me you don't want sex. I want to talk about these things because nobody else talks about them. And I did the same thing in Sharjah the other day, and you should have seen. Everybody looked at me so embarrassed. My God, he's going to talk about sex now? <laughs> Why does it embarrass you? I'm going to talk about this later. But the reason I mention these desires is because many of us, most of us, all of us believe that in order to be spiritual, okay, we need to stop sinning. We also believe that sinfulness is connected to our desires, our desire for material possessions, our desire for relationships, our desire for achievements, our physical desires. And we believe that if we cut off these desires, we will stop sinning. Now, unfortunately, if we cut off these desires, we stop being human. And that is not what God has intended us to stop being. He wants us to be human. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to, to bathe in the beauty and to bask in the blessings that he has showered upon us everywhere that we go. And the way to do that is to understand that these desires are not bad. In fact, they're good because the desire is given to us by God. So what I want us to do today is to understand we don't need to feel guilty about wanting, for instance, to be rich. There was a woman in the Bible called Lydia. Have you heard of her? Yeah, she was a businesswoman in those days, imagine. Yeah, she was a cloth merchant. And she was so successful that she was very rich. Now, because she was rich, what happened? When she came to a knowledge of Jesus, she invited people to her house to pray. And her house must have been so huge, it accommodated hundreds of people who came. And Lydia, because of her money and because of her business acumen, was able to start the first church in Europe. So do you see what you can do with money? You don't have money, you can't do anything. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. But neither am I preaching a poverty gospel here because Jesus doesn't really want you to be poor unless you choose to be poor. There are some people who choose that. John the Baptist, for instance, have you heard of him? He's a guy who lived the life of an ascetic, you know. He was uh, almost a hermit. And all he used to do was eat, um, eat what? Oh, you know that, locusts. I don't know if he fried them, dipped them in batter, how he ate them, but he ate locusts and honey. And he wore robes made of camel skin, right? Now, he chose that life. And if that is the life you choose, then God bless you. 
But then if this is not the life that you choose, then God bless you too. Because this is not for everybody. I go to Lebanon very often and over there, whenever I go, I'm invited to come on television. Now I always go to meet the owner and the producer of this TV station. It's the largest Arabic TV station in the world. And this man is a man who's not left, listen to this carefully, who's not left his office in 15 years. He's not gone outside. He lives over there wearing one thin robe, whether it is summer or winter, and that same robe he will wash over and over again. This is the man who influences the lives of millions of people around the world. He lives like a hermit. I look at him, I admire him, I respect his holiness. Do I want to be like him? No, thank you very much. That's him. This is me. And that is what I want us to understand. If God leads you in a certain direction, go in that direction. If God leads you another direction, go in that direction. But just because you choose another direction from your brother or your sister, it doesn't make your direction better than the direction that God has taken him or her on. So if you want to become materially successful and if you want to use your achievements for the glory of God, power to you. Say power to me. God wants you to be successful. And if you are successful in what you do, you'll be in a better position to influence people. You know, I was in America during the elections there. And of course, everyone was talking politics. And everyone was talking about how they have to choose between, you know, a she-devil and a he-devil. You know, and I said, why don't y'all get into politics? And they said, politics is a dirty business. Do you agree with that? Now, how is a dirty business going to become a clean business unless good people get into that dirty business? And I said, why don't you encourage your children who have been taught the Christian faith, who know Jesus, to get into politics? And then slowly and steadily, we can make a difference to the world. But it takes a desire for the second part of what I'm talking about, achievement. That you need to be successful in what you do. Yes? No? Who's going to pay more attention to you? If you're the CEO of your company or if you're the peon? Now, if you want to influence people on higher levels, you've got to be at that level. Otherwise, no one's going to pay attention to you. Who do you think talks to movie stars these days? They've got nobody to talk to them. Who do you think talks to pop stars these days? They've got nobody to talk to them. Who do you... Th think talks to sports stars these days. They got nobody to talk to them. And why? Because if our children come to us and say, I want to act in the movies, the first thing we're going to say is, no way, bad business. Is it not true? Stop doing that. Encourage your children to get into the world. Grow them up well. So when they get into the world, they will not be influenced by the world, but they in turn will influence others. And encourage them to be successful in what they do. And give them a clap on their backs. Say, I'm going to be successful. <laughs> now, both these things, of course, you have to make sure that they're godly. For instance, if you're after material things and if you're after money and you're after possessions, there is nothing wrong with that. Provided, provided 
You don't lose your sense of generosity, provided you don't put yourself into debt, provided you don't try to start accumulating and accumulating and being unhappy when you don't have everything around you. That is ungodly. There is a man I know. In fact, there are quite a few people I know. There are a few people over here I know are very rich, but I'm not going to talk about them because they're here. So I'm going to talk about somebody who's not here. You might know him. His name is Joseph. He's a Lebanese guy. How many of you know him? He's a pretty rich man, you know. But he's also one of the most generous persons I have ever met in my life. And if you're in trouble and you go to him, there is a good chance he will help you. Here is a perfect example. And the reason I mention him is so that we can relate to people that we know. Here is a person who has money. He has a big house. You should look at the things he has in his house. It looks like a museum. But he got a heart of gold. His children have a heart of gold. His wife has a heart of gold. And when you look at them, you say, hey, more power to you. And I, for one, just pray that God blesses him with 100 times more than he has today. Because if he has 100 times more, you know what? He's going to be 1,000 times more generous. See what I'm saying? Same thing for achievements. You achieve. You get to wherever you want to get to. You be the best of what you want. Paul was an achiever. At the end of his life, he said, I have run the good race and I have fought the good fight. That was a man who knew what he wanted and made sure that he got what he wanted. People who are achievers can do a lot of things, provided you don't kind of stamp over somebody else. You don't try to do it for selfish motives and selfish motives alone. You don't try to do all this just for your benefit. You don't try to do it so you gain the fame and you gain the power. As long as you do it with the right motive, God says, I bless you. And he wants to bless you here today. I want you to know that. Every single one of you sitting here with so much of hope in their faces, God wants to give you all these things. You got to reprogram that mind to stop thinking, hey, if he doesn't give it to me, it must be because I'm unworthy and I've lost count of the number of people who come and say that to me. Oh, I'm not blessed in this and I'm not blessed in that. God wants to bless you. Say, God wants to bless me. And he is going to bless me. Not next year. This year. Now. Today. And you're going to walk out of here and you're going to start feeling the blessings. It's going to make you want to dance. It's going to make you want to shake. How many of you like to jive? I don't. I hate to dance. I'm serious. But God gave you bodies, right? Why did he give you bodies? Why did he give you eyes? He gave you not, eyes not to dance. Bodies to dance. Yes, maybe, definitely. Eyes to see these beautiful things around you. He's given you a body to feel these wonderful things around you. He's given you years to hear wonderful things around you. Yet you know what? Most of the time we miss them all. I'm going to tell you a story of a little kid. We don't have any boys here, do they? No boys? No boys? There's one boy. Come, come, come. Come. You're going to be a TV star. This is Christopher. He's my best friend. Everyone say hi to Christopher. Christopher, say hi, everybody. Tell them I'm named after Christ. What are you named after? Never mind. Don't say anything. One day, Christopher, first day of the year, Christopher's walking around and he's whistling. You whistle? No? Try. I can't whistle either. Anyway, he can't whistle, but he's trying to whistle. He's got his hands in his pocket. Put your hands in your pocket. 
And as he's walking, he sees a coin on the road, one dirham. So what does he do? He, he bends down, he picks up that coin and he puts it into his pocket and thinks, I'm a rich man. Okay? Don't look at me, I'm not going to give you any money. <laughs> he goes home, he kind of, kind of gets his piggy bank out, you know, new piggy bank. He got it just a week ago for Christmas. And he puts that coin in there and he, he's so happy. I mean, Christopher is on top of the moon. One buck, I mean, you know, think about it. Next day he goes walking again and you know what? Christopher's looking to see if he can find one more dirham. He finds a five dirham note. Look happy. He, he, now his joy knows no bounds. So he kind of takes that five dirham note. He looks at it, look, you know, looks at it this way, that way. He's never seen a five dirham note in his life before. You have, right? Yes, okay. And uh, he goes home and, you know, uh, lovingly, he kind of puts it in his piggy bank again. Next day he goes out again and, you know, he looks and he looks and he doesn't find anything. He's disappointed. But he's a man of courage, so the next day he goes, he's not disappointed. You know, he keeps looking and the next day he finds 50 fills. Oh, better than nothing, he says. Takes it home, puts it in the bank. Next day he doesn't get anything, but the following day he gets 10 dirhams. And he continues like this for the rest of the year. And at the end of the year, Christopher's got a piggy bank full of money. <laughs> but you know what? In the 365 days that have gone by, he has missed seeing hundreds of sunrises and hundreds of sunsets. He's missed seeing the flowers dance in the breeze. He's missed hearing the sound of the whippoorwill. He's missed so many things because his eyes were fixed only on the ground. And sometimes that happens to us also. And it has happened to many of us over the past few years. And I don't want that to happen to you this year. I'm telling you these things are important, but I'm saying they're not as important as the things that God has given us. And I want you to remember that. And whenever you see a little boy, or you see 50 fills, or one dirham, or five dirhams, I want you to think of the story I just told you. And I want you to look around you. And I want you to see the wonderful things that God has brought into creation just for your pleasure. Thank you, Christopher. Clap for him. Those are the things that God has given us bodies for, but he's also given us other needs. And now I'm going to talk about, guess what? Sex! Thank you! <laughs> Y'all are still smiling, at least some of you are wondering what I'm going to talk about. First, I want to ask you, you don't need to answer this question, why do you get embarrassed when somebody talks about sex? God said be one flesh, right? Now, I always imagine how that must have worked. You know, Adam wakes up one morning and he says, all right, Adam, today your job for the morning is you go and name all the animals. In the afternoon, you sow some corn in the ground. In the evening, you go and become one flesh. And here is the instruction manual. You think that's what happened? No. You want to share what happened? Don't worry, I'll tell you what happened. Adam looked at Eve and he had feelings for her. And who gave him those feelings? Who planted that desire in his heart? Say it. God did it. 
God has given us this desire to have sex. God has given us this desire to have food. God has given us this desire to dance. God has given us this desire to enjoy life. And yet sometimes we turn it into such a chore. We deprive ourselves and we deny ourselves of the basic things of life. Now once again, like everything else that God tells us to do, he says do it, but do it right. Don't get into affairs and don't kind of get into promiscuity and don't kind of you know, watch things and think things that you shouldn't think. But as long as you stick to what you're entitled to, enjoy yourselves and have a ball. Like eating, you know, we were talking of John the Baptist a little while ago. John the Baptist chose to eat honey and, and what was that again? Locusts. Jesus, on the other hand, he kind of ate whatever was given to him. He was a happy guy. He went and he partied morning, noon and night. Well, I don't know about morning, noon, but definitely in the evenings. And Bible talks about so many times when he's gone and eaten with sinners and he's drunk with them. And which is why, you know, people kind of said, what kind of a guy is he? Look at John. Here's a man who fasted. And look at this guy on the other hand. He's eating and he's drinking. He's like a glutton and a drunkard. And here again we see that whatever Jesus is doing, he's enjoying the body that he's been given, but to the limit that he knows he can go to. And that is the example that he gives us as well. You do whatever is good for you, but you keep it to the limit. And this brings me to the fourth aspect, the relationship desire that we have. You know, when God created the entire world, after he made everything, he said, it is good. Did you know that? But then he made man and he said, it is bad. No, actually he didn't. He didn't say it is good. Why? Because, say? It's a very, no, no, no. I mean, you wish. <laughs> I wish too, to be honest. But no, he created woman because he realized something. He realized that as much as we have hearts for God, we also need a human being for companionship. And that is why he made woman. He made you lovely ladies who are sitting here so that we can be companions to one another. And sometimes we feel guilty about seeking this companionship. Don't. As long as you keep it holy and you keep it pure, we need friendships in our lives. Good solid friendships between men and women, good solid friendships between men and men, good solid friendships between women and women, without getting into this rubbish that the world has started to do these days. And you will see how blessed we are because of it. One of the greatest stories of friendship in the Bible is one of David and Jonathan. Have you heard of them? Yeah, Jonathan loved David so much, even though he was heir to the throne, he understood that David was the one anointed by God. And he stepped away. Why? Simply because of his friendship with David. He might have become king, but like thousands of kings, his name would have been forgotten. He didn't become king. But even till today, Jonathan's name is synonymous with friendship. And that is the kind of friendship we need to have with each other. To be able to love each other in a truly Christian and a truly brotherly way. You want to practice? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're my brother, you're my sister. Unless the person's your husband or wife, in which case. <laughs> Look somewhere else. <laughs> Uh, you guys having a good time? <laughs> All right, stand up. It's time to do the hallelujah thingy.
our hands up in the air. I know there are a lot of newcomers here tonight. Welcome. We do some very peculiar things in this congregation. And one of them is what you're about to see. You need to raise your hands up like this. And you need to sing after me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Feel the power here tonight. Please be seated. The reason I made you do that, the reason I made you take a break right now is because we're going to get to something that is really more important than what I just spoke about. And it has to do with how do we do the right thing, okay? Now, you want to follow your material desires. You want to follow your relationship desires. You want to follow your um, ambitious desires. You want to follow... Um, um, your physical desires, but how do you make sure that this is what God wants of you? The answer is contained in Psalm 1, and I'd like to read that to you. It's, it's a beautiful psalm. It's one of my favorites. And I'm glad uh, Scripture starts off the psalms with that. <clears throat> Are you listening? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do, prospers. Whatever they do, prospers. That means you can put your hand to anything and it'll prosper. You can go to work tomorrow and your work will prosper. You can start a business tomorrow and your business will prosper. You can raise a family tomorrow and your family will prosper. You can get married tomorrow and your marriage will prosper. Very good. Right? But what do you have to do? Do not walk in step with the wicked. Stay away from them. They drag you down. Do not sit in the company of mockers, those who jeer your Lord and those who make fun of him, those who make fun of your faith. Of course, you have to reach them, and I'm going to talk to you more about that in a minute, but don't be in their company. Don't, don't associate with them as their people. What you need to do is to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. Day and night. There's a lot of meditating. You got to meditate day and night. Can you do that? I'm going to come to that in a minute. Don't answer. Now that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I love the word of God. Whenever I open the Bible and I start to read a passage, there is a sense of excitement in me, just like when I start my day. There is a sense of anticipation. There is a sense of 
expectancy to know what God is going to teach me today. Because every time it is something new, every time it is something different. But unfortunately, many of us think that the Bible is boring. Let's be honest. I mean, you could lie if you want to, but that's pretending, right? Let me prove it to you, all right? Let me prove it to you. How many of you um, have ever read the Gospel of Matthew? You want to listen? Okay. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. The son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminabad. Aminabad, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed. I can go on. You want me to go on? No. Why don't you? How many of you got bored with that? Raise your hands. Only six of you? I thank you, six of you who raised your hands and said you got bored. Because that is what God wants you to be. Not bored, but honest. Because I'll tell you what, half the time we're pretending to God to be something we're not. When I read Leviticus for the first time, I'm telling you within five minutes I was fast asleep. I'm not kidding you. And I used to have a problem with insomnia in those days. And I said, oh, I found my cure for insomnia. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. By the time I reach verse 7, I am... I'm not kidding you. I used to find this boring. Remember I spoke to you about how we pretend. And unfortunately, sometimes we pretend even with God. I learned a long time back not to pretend with. So sometimes I will go to church and I will sit on there after Mass is over and I will not feel like praying. I will not feel like saying another word. And I will get up and go. Why? Because if I don't get up and go, Jesus is going to twist my ear and says, go and come another time when you're in the mood to be with me. And yet we pretend, don't we? I learned not to pretend a long time back. I had this lady friend. I wasn't having an affair with her or anything. She just was a very nice friend of mine. And I remember one day I was working on a project and I went to spend some time with her and she could sense I was distracted. And she said, Anil, I don't want you with me today. And I said, why? Because your mind is somewhere else. He said, when you come and sit with me, I want 100% of you. You go and do whatever you want to do, give that 100%. And I realized that a beautiful philosophy of life, that whatever you're doing, whenever you're doing it, give 100% to it. If you're with a person, don't go half of you and leave half of you somewhere else with your mind constantly going to that. Finish whatever you have to do. Give 100% to whatever you're doing. And then come and give 100% of yourself to the person. What a difference it'll make. Do what you do and to the person because the person can tell if you're listening to him or not, if you're paying attention to him or not. And what do you think the person feels if you're kind of, you know, oh, yes, you say something and, and the person says, what? Does that happen to you? Yes, it does. Good. Why? The person is not paying attention to you. Not good. <laughs> this, is what it, this is what I've been trying to say. Be honest with God. God doesn't, you can't fool him anyway. He knows your heart. And when you're with him and you tell him, look, I'm, I'm not in the mood to be with you. Or Lord, I'm sad and you want me to be happy. But the truth is I am sad and I cannot be anything else. So sorry, I'm a sad sack, but this is who I am today. Do you want me to stay? And he might say, 
It's fine that you're a side psych. I'm okay with side psychs. I like side psychs. I had 12 side psychs that I chose to be my disciples. I mean, there were no sadder guys than those. You know, you know Peter? Judas? These are people that I chose, and they were pretty weird guys, you know? And I was cool with them, and I'm cool with you. You don't need to be somebody else that you're not. And then when you're yourself and you're not pretending, God can work with you. You see, I could pretend to be so many things. I could come and stand in front of you and pretend to be this holy guy. I've never bothered. Why? For one reason, I don't give a damn what you think about me. And I care less what you say about me. Right? Because why? Not that I don't care about you. But I live my life for my God. And I know, messed up though I am, parts of me might be. Jesus made a promise to me, and this promise is applicable to every one of you, that he will finish the work that he started in me. And if I am what I am today, it's not because of my effort, it's not because of my will, it's not because of all the power that I put into living a holy life. It is simply my faith in Jesus and that he will finish what he started. And you need to remember that. The constantly preachers coming to you and telling you, do this and do this and do this and do this. Trust in Jesus. I'm not saying what they're telling you is wrong. I tell you a lot of things and it's good stuff, right? But trust, yeah, <laughs> but trust God. Trust God. I live a holy life. I need you to know that. I live a life that is very, very good in terms of following what God is asking me to do. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over a long period of time and sometimes periods of immense and intense struggle. But I always trusted in God and I knew that he would take care of it. He would, he would sort me out and he has. And that is what I want you to know. Be yourself. It might take some time. You might need some polishing. You might need a few things removed from you, but trust God to do what God has to do. Say, I will trust God because he loves me. Just the way I am. Okay, can we get back to Matthew? Do you know boring is something that is invented recently? That in the old days, the word boring didn't even exist? You know the ancient Greeks, Plato and Aristotle in those times, they didn't have a word for boring. You know why? Because nobody got bored. I'm not kidding you. They didn't have TV. They didn't have movies. They didn't have the internet. My God. No phone. They didn't have the phone. Thank you very much. They didn't have any of these things, but they were never bored. Why? Maybe because they didn't have all these things. Maybe because they knew the power of communication to be able to sit down with somebody and talk to them. Maybe they knew the beauty of the, the creation around them and spent time looking at flowers and sniffing them, listening to bees as they hum and kind of experiencing life in a way that we don't experience. Why? Because we need to be fed to us. We need to sit down in our chairs, turn on that stupid box. We don't like something, change it. Okay. Or we don't like that, change that. But that's also crap. Okay, switch off the TV and go do something else. Let's go and watch a movie today. All right, La La Land is playing. How many of you have seen La La Land? Only one person out of... Only? 
Really? It's been nominated for nine Oscars and only one person in the center. Oh, forget, forget La La Land. How many of you have seen Dangal? Ah, ah, everybody's. <coughs> you don't know what Dangal is. Good for you. <laughs> it's, it's a Hindi movie, right? That people tell me it's good, but I, all Hindi movies are rubbish. You disagree with me? Good. Please disagree with me. See when it comes to movies how we kind of disagree with each other. What is he saying? No, I don't agree with him. No, no, Dangal was fabulous. It's the best movie ever made. Oh, you should see Amir Khan. He put on so much weight for the movie. Oh, was it some other Khan? Amir Khan, okay. Right? Now, see what I've done with you. I've got you interested in, in movies. Even those of you who don't go to movies are interested in Dangal. And the first thing you will do is Google Dangal and say, okay, you know, <laughs> comes to the word of God. My goodness me, you'll all... Look like such serious bozos, like, you know, I have to be attentive and I have to listen to this like it has some meaning to me. But in truth, I am getting bored out of my mind. In the old days, they didn't get bored. You know why? Because when somebody was sitting around a fire maybe and telling a story, they say, you remember Abraham? Abraham was this guy God chose out of thousands of people, picked him out from his house one day, told him, come, and I will make you the father of nations. And Abraham went, and when he was 100 years old, he was visited by angels who told him that he was going to have a son. And Abraham laughed, and his wife laughed even louder. Not because they didn't know about sex, they knew about sex, but they thought they were too old to have it. They said the sex word again. Good, I'm just kind of making you used to stuff that God gave you, all right? And then after the son was born, he had a son. The son was Isaac. And they loved this son. And then one day God told Abraham, you need to go and sacrifice your son Isaac. But then God prevented him from sacrificing Isaac. And Isaac grew up. And then one day Abraham found a wife for him, a woman called Rebekah. And Isaac got married to Rebekah and they had sex. <laughs> to have Jacob. Know what I'm saying? Or you think these things just happen? Good. <laughs> it's the new year, guys. <coughs> you got to start the new year laughing. You know, I can make you cry if you want it. No, I've stopped making people cry. Even when they come to my office. You know, whenever someone comes for counseling, the first thing Janet will do is come and put a tissue box on my table. <laughs> Within five minutes, they'll be crying. I stopped doing that. I stopped doing that even here now. I might shout at you still, but... So, back to my story. So, Jacob and Rebecca had? To, to have Jacob. Okay, that was Isaac and Rebecca. Then Jacob, never mind the sex now. Jacob had so much, no, actually, you have to. Had so much of sex that he had 12 children. You know? Now, one of these children was Judah. You know? And see how the genealogy starts to make sense and how it starts to matter. And this is what fascinated people in the old days because every story of every ancestor had a meaning. But for us, it's just boring. Don't make scripture boring because it isn't. And look forward to it with great anticipation. So when you go for mass tomorrow, <clears throat> for those of you who go for daily mass, 
Spend a few minutes tonight just going through the gospel reading for tomorrow. Put yourself in the picture. You know, tomorrow's story, I just looked it up before I came here. Tomorrow's story is about Jesus healing a leper. And just imagine what if you were that leper and you went to Jesus. You're a leper who's been outcast, who's been ridiculed, who's been shunned by everybody. You go to Jesus not knowing if he's going to shun you too. But instead of shunning you, he reaches out and touches you. And imagine the love that Jesus has for us, that he would touch us even when we have leprosy in our body. And when you're thinking these things, what happens? You realize how much and how deeply and how greatly God loves you. What a wonderful thing it is. And then you're listening to this priest say these words there, but they're not just words anymore. <clears throat> they're not just words anymore. It's a story happening and a wonderful story. Then you go and you say, hey, I can be loving like Jesus is to other people. And if I see a leper, maybe there aren't lepers these days, but if I see somebody who's struggling, somebody who's sick, somebody who's an outcast, somebody who's rejected, then maybe I can be like Jesus to them. And what happens? Scripture takes life. It impacts you and makes a difference in you and in those around you. What a wonderful thing, isn't it? So, <clears throat> how many of you think Scripture is boring? You can't. There was this time when, you know, um, Jesus came back from the dead, and um, he appeared to Peter, who, was, who had gone back fishing, okay? Peter had also given up on Jesus. He says, nothing more to do. Master is dead. Master is gone. I will go back fishing. And he must have been a lousy fisherman because this time also he didn't catch anything. You know, can you imagine? The poor guy, whenever he goes to his wife, okay, darling, how many fish? None, darling. Oh, you lousy fisherman. But anyway, Jesus is at the shore and Jesus says to Peter, how many fish did you catch? You know, and Peter, angry, you know, can you imagine this guy? Can't you see? I don't have any fish in my boat. Yeah, I didn't catch anything. And the man on the shore said, so cast your net again. And you're so angry and impatient, you want to say, get lost. But then suddenly you remember that about three years ago, you hadn't caught any fish and a man had told me to cast fish in the sea. And when I cast, I caught so many fish, my nets began to break. So he said, maybe let's see what happens this time. And this time when he casts his nets again, he catches fish. And now he doesn't wait. He knows who's at the shore, even though he doesn't recognize him. And he kind of jumps out of the boat and he runs in the water towards this man he knows as Jesus. And what is Jesus doing there? He's frying fish for breakfast. I don't know, it's a pretty peculiar thing, but, you know, and I always imagine he's cooking bombil. You know what bombil, <laughs> you know what bombil is? What is bombil? Bombida. So you can imagine the smell that is coming, you know, everywhere. And, you know, you can, that's, I feel all that. I smell all that, Right? You, you, know, you know where we got the, the name Bombay Duck from, by the way? From Bombay? Duh. Okay, okay, Bombay is from Bombay. Where do you get the duck from? I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I, I know these things. I'm, I'm a great preacher. I know lots of things. In the old days, in the old, old, old days, you know, they used to mail this dried fish called Bombay Duck. That's Bombil, by the way. Say Bombil. Very good. Not you, she. She's not from Bombay. She doesn't know. Iraqi? Say Bombil. Very good. 
You do, you do. She, she, she said I looked like John Travolta. So <laughs> anyway, never mind. Okay, uh, this is the new year. Don't expect this from me again. So anyway, um, Bombay duck comes from, you know, they used to parcel this fish, this dried fish in packages before they used to mail it. Now, what is the word for mail in Hindi? Duck. So Bombay duck. And Bombay duck became Bombay duck. So give, give me a big hand. You learned something new today? <laughs> what did I do? <clears throat> what did I do? What did I do? I got your interest in something so stupid like Bombay Duck and had you listening to every word that I said. Even our lady friend from, where are you, sister? France. Yeah, France. Yes, yeah, I know. But even you were interested in Bombay Duck. Yeah, which is amazing. By the way, you get Bombay Duck in Hong Kong. Um, go figure. I, I don't know if they call it Hong Kong Duck over there or not, but... Anyway, anyway, back to where I was. I forget where I was. Yeah, so it's frying fish, you know. So put yourself in the picture and you suddenly start to see all these wonderful things that happen. And then when you kind of listen to the things that Jesus does, he changes you. He changes your thoughts. And I want to end on that by taking you to, to one great scripture where he says, what do you need to think about, okay? And this is from Philippians chapter 4, uh, Verse 8, it follows that beautiful thing when he says, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says, do you worry? How many of you worry? Be honest. You've learned to be honest today. I want everyone's hand up. Shame on you. Put your hands down. So, um, whatever is true, listen to this now, and I'm going to conclude with this, okay? We're going to actually conclude with Holy Spirit fire. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, whenever temptation comes our way, whenever the wicked one comes, he attacks here, the mind, you know, and he gets us to think about things. You notice how he does that? Okay, you, you need to have a drink. Come, have a drink, have a drink, have a drink. No, 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 I don't want to drink. No, no, come, have a drink. It doesn't going to hurt, you know. See, your friend has called you. Why don't you call him over if you don't want to drink alone? Let's go for a drink. You know what it's like? He, he, just, he just goes on. Oh, but you haven't watched porn for a week now. God is very happy with you. But I know you kind of want to get it out of your system. So why don't you turn your computer on and watch some rubbish? It goes on and on and on. You can't fight him. With your willpower, you cannot fight the devil. Let us understand that now. And anyone who tries to use his will to cease doing something is doomed to failure. So what does Jesus say? You can't rely on me. But what do you got to do while you're relying on me is kind of, Get those thoughts set on something else. And you can set them on anything that is noble. Anything that is pure. Anything that is lovely. Anything that is admirable. So you have a beautiful painting in your house. Go and watch that painting. You're driving and you want to listen to some music. Listen to, listen to some song that you enjoy. You like Tchaikovsky? Listen to Tchaikovsky. You like... Elton John, listen to Elton John, listen to something 
that will take your mind off it. Whatever is lovely. And this is the secret of it, of how to live the holy life, is whenever those thoughts start to come, and they will come, don't even imagine they're not going to come. They come to all of us. But I've discovered this secret, this trick, and it works so wonderfully that the moment a bad thought comes, all I got to do is to fix it on a good thought. And that can be anything. Whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy or excellent, think about such things. But there is nothing as praiseworthy or noble or lovely or pure as our wonderful Savior. And if you can manage to fix your eyes on Him, as I'm praying that you will do this year, trust me when I tell you, He is going to change your lives and make this the best year you have ever lived. Every one of you. And I want you to really be blessed this year. And honestly, the simple secret is be yourself. Thank you for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, visit our website, www.hsiweb.org and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.